<laughs> Who's going to listen anyway? <laughs> Good to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's our pleasure, everyone. This is Vince Daskal. Um, it's going to be a great interview here, talking a bit about Vince's uh, early career and how he got started on the disability rights movement back in school. So let's just kick it off, Vince, and talk a little bit about um, your early days. Uh, I imagine it was probably pretty, pretty frustrating for you, uh, especially after reading your article in the UK Times there yes. about having cerebral palsy and trying to like negotiate. I mean, you talk about the, uh, the stairs at school, trying to get up once you started getting into broadcasting and things like that. Could you yeah. walk us through a little bit more about the frustration as a kid and how you overcame some of those frustrations as you've done so very well with most of your life? Well, there wasn't a lot of frustrations, to be honest with you, because that's the only way I knew how to get around. I played baseball using my Canadian crutches. I, if I couldn't play on a certain day, I was the umpire. My mother and I, we were in the very, well, I was born 70 years ago with cerebral palsy. So every second of my life, I've been disabled. Mm. I didn't start using a wheelchair until I was about 16 years of age. Uh, I had operations on my arm and I could not use uh, my crutches anymore. So they put me in a manual wheelchair for a few years, which I laboriously managed with one arm to get around with help from friends and things. Hmm. But in the very beginning, like I said, there wasn't a lot of frustration because I don't, I, I was, it was the only thing I knew how to do. My friends were very accepting of me. Like I said, if I couldn't play a certain sport, I either played a referee, I was a referee or an umpire or things, something like that. And every once in a while I would be a coach. And like I said, I would also bat with my wheelchair on the ba on the baseball field. So, and, and even during school time, my mother would stand, hold me up in the field or I would try to field baseballs and things. So it was not as frustrating until I got older because, like I said, it was just an acceptable part of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, everything, there was no such thing as accessibility back in the 50s and 60s, particularly the 60s. Uh, well, 50s and 60s, my primary time getting around in school, I was in late 50s, early 60s. Mm. But my mother, we, we, what I featured in the uh, UK article was that my mother and I would walk with my Canadian crutches up two long, steep inclines in our hometown to get to school. And I would walk up and down with her uh, to these classrooms. They did arrange that I did not, uh, during those days when you were in uh, grade school, you went to, from room to room to room and upstairs and downstairs. Well, they arranged that one accommodation, I guess, was that I could stay in the same room all day. So people, the students would come to me and I would just be in the room for another class and the teacher would come from another class into the room. So that was not a big deal. Again, in high school, I did not go to high school because of the, the fact that the building was totally condemned. Getting on and off the school bus was not the funnest thing either. Mm -hmm. My brother used to tell me, Vince, I can't even walk up those steps. I don't know how you could. So I was homeschooled 
until I got a GED and, and uh, then I went on to college. My very first, I, I, in my late teens, I became very, very interested in broadcasting. I wanted to be a disc jockey so bad. I, 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 I did even, they had me at my local radio station. I was like a gopher. So I just loved being with the DJs and getting to know them and answering the phones and getting the news and things like that. I get, and, and it was in my wheelchair at the time. So it wasn't that laborious for me to do. Mm. But I was accepted in a local, I was accepted in a local broadcasting program at a local, what was it, a regional uh, community college. It was about 75 miles away and I was just elated. I said, oh my God, my mom and I, my mom and dad, we drove up 75 miles to the school in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And I was met by the broadcast, the head of the broadcasting department and the uh, dean of, uh, of liberal arts at the time. And they stood there and looked at me and all I could see was this very long, 70, at least 60 step stairway up into where they would do the broadcasting school classes. And would not even have without even a handrail, so they you can see they turn white. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just, I just was so disappointed. Mm. But they said, "Listen, there is you can go take regular, uh, regular liberal arts class, go for two years, you know, least less accessible, less inaccessible part of this campus." which was still inaccessible, but not as bad as the, the broadcasting studios. So I went for two years and I got an associate degree and I went on to a four-year school and they wanted to take theater. I wanted, I wanted to try to be a director. I couldn't be a broadcaster, so maybe a director and a, and a, and a playwright. Well, <laughs> That was a little easier, but still pretty inaccessible for me. They wanted to train me as a sound technician, combine my love of music and radio and maybe use it in the theaters as sound tech. And uh, we went on the road, I was touring with a, uh, our in competition for a college uh, play, play competition. And some of the some of the studios, I I would have to be carried up, and it was very in, un, inconvenient. Not exactly. Sometimes I even bumped myself, and I would be bumped, and people didn't know. How, I mean, that's the thing. People don't know how to hold you, and they're shaking you, and they're scared. Mm -hmm. So I just had a second. Uh, second uh, thought about it and I said, well, I don't know, maybe theater is not exactly the best career for me. I'm not gonna go for four years and know that I could not get it, probably not get a job uh, in the theater field, broadcasting or whatever. And a friend of mine was a guidance counselor, a father of a friend of mine said, why don't you try to be a real rehab counselor? 
He said, you're perfect. I mean, you, you, you're great. I mean, you deal with people beautifully. You know disability. I was in my 20, early 20s at the time. He said, why don't you pursue a degree in, Brock, I mean, uh, in rehabilitation counseling? So again, uh, my second, okay, okay, but I got, I was under the state OVR Office of Vocational Rehabilitation Training Program, so they would pay for me. So I said, all right, I'll try. So I went to Penn State, finished up my four degree, four year degree in uh, in uh, rehab counseling, got a job back home as a vocational evaluator. I loved it; it was great. I did that for a couple of years. And then I, my friend, who was a good friend of mine in college at Penn State, and he said, I'm at Mansfield State College, which is at Northern Pennsylvania. He said, they have programs for people that want, if you, if you get a scholarship, you can get a master's degree in special ed. So again, okay, I'll do that. I went up and uh, got a degree in special education. I wasn't really a teacher, but uh, I got the degree, I got the background in knowing disabilities, mm. and you know, how to write plans and IEPs and vocational rehab plans and things. And I ended up uh, a 32 year career. I, I retired 10 years ago with a 32 year career as a disability rights advocate and ADA consultant. Americans with Disability Act consultant. So it was a long road, and I I loved it very much. But I never lost my interest for for show business and broadcasting and things like that. Well, that shows because you are quite comfortable in front of the camera here, and you sound great. <laughs> so it doesn't really come as a surprise to me that was one of your clubs, <laughs> and you continue it on today, <laughs> which we're very excited to see firsthand here. Can you tell us a bit more about? Um, uh, your rehab counseling days. I mean, that's something that Markarian Robotics, we're not looking at, obviously, you know, cons uh, consulting for that particular space, but looking to help people in that space that are going through uh, some mobility issues because of an accident, mm -hmm. because of obviously a, a disability. I hate using that word, but um, can you tell us a bit about some of the struggles you saw with people and some of the ways they overcame uh, some of the problems they have. I mean, I'm sure some things are timeless. This might have been a while back, of course, but I'm sure you dealt with some some similar issues today. Oh yeah, well, back then, I I my first job was working as a vocational evaluator mm -hmm. in an old, no longer used sheltered workshop situation, and I worked with a lot of. Uh, uh, mentally challenged clients. They were beautiful, wonderful, some physically disabled clients. And I did a vocational evaluation for them. And I did that for about two years and some counseling, uh, but mostly it was vocational evaluations, training them to see what kind of vocation they could pursue, what, what they were interested in and see if we can match their interests with what we had available or what other other agencies had available and things, but back then, sheltered workshops. Although they said we would, we're working to get these clients out of the sheltered workshop into a employment set, normalized setting. Some of the best workers in the sheltered workshop 
were kept there because they did a great job and they were able to get more contracts from companies to do, you know, whatever spec work they had, uh, you know, and it did the, the typical stereotypical putting pens together and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, although they weren't totally resistant to that, but the parents were, the parents did not want, and this is back in the, going back in the seventies and things. It, was, it wasn't like it is today, as far as attitudes were concerned. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the parents, and I would write, a, I, and I would see the client, as, this person's able to do this, or this person's able to do that. They should not be here in a workshop. They should be working, you know, uh, in a normalized, regular employment. And some of the parents really didn't like that. And they complained to the executive director. The director of the workshop, who became a very good friend of mine, defended me and says, you write down whatever you, whatever you believe these clients can be capable of doing, and we'll, I'll take it from there. So like I said, I got a lot of resistance from parents. So I don't want my child going out. And these children were my age and 20s, 30s, 40s years of age. And they would tell me, I don't want to be doing this anymore. And, 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 and they would even say to me, you know, Vince, I have been working as a dishwasher at a fast food, at a Wendy's, for 12, 13 years. I'll still work as a dishwasher, but can I at least go to another fast food, pro, you know, something different. Yeah, something change it up a bit. Yeah. And, so, and, and, I, and people with my, people that I'm working with, I, their face would drop. I said, I said Joe, Joey doesn't want to, you know, he's tired of being the third floor janitor for 15, 20 years. Let's, you know, he said, no, who wouldn't be tired of something like People have high functioning jobs, higher jobs, they don't like being, doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, so I, I, I waved them goodbye and I went on to get, as I said, to get my master's degree. And, uh, uh, I came back to my home area, and and what I, and got involved in independent living. That was back in the days when it was just starting the independent living centers. And I had the opportunity of founding. After working at one, I founded another one. Me and a couple of friends we founded an independent living center, and I was on the board of directors and that kind of thing for for a few years and I just kind of went on. I, I said, this is fine, we're, we're, I'm doing this, this is great, but I want to move on. And uh, at the time, the ADA, was, well, we also did it for Section 504, which was, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Government would give funding to private companies who got federal funding to make their buildings accessible and make the programs accessible. So my brother, who was a business uh, businessman, he was actually an electrical engineer. He had his own uh, consulting business himself. Well, we got together and we I started a uh, we started a private uh, company doing ADA consulting. And, excuse me and. 
at the time we won the, the local Dutchess County, Pennsylvania, New York. I don't know if you're familiar with Dutchess County, Poughkeepsie area. I am, yeah. I'm from upstate yeah, you guys, myself. You're from, you're from up north, yep. upstate. <laughs> yeah, small world. Upstate. <laughs> well, anyway, so we, we did that and we got some time, not, not a huge amount of money, but I became an ADA consultant and I worked in the governmental sector sectors that work with governments uh local governments that were getting the the federal funding to make them make themselves wheelchair accessible so i did that mm -hmm. for about a couple of years my brother and i and uh again the money kind of dried up and the, the, the whatever whatever we could do in our in our counties uh to make it accessible like i said my, my that's this county although it is now more wheel more accessible back when i did it i said it was more accessible on paper than it was actually in physical fact but uh we uh, a lot of people started to become accessible and then i got hired to do the uh, the ada transportation uh accessibility for the dutchess county bus system and the city of poughkeepsie bus system so again, about a little less than a year, we made, I, I developed and drafted the health community meetings with disabled people and consumers and advocates and things. And we, we put together this plan and we made Dutchess County bus system ADA accessible. And that was something, you know, accomplishment that uh, I tell people, you see that bus? Well, you're on there because I, 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 I got you on there. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I don't brag, but I do I like to you. tell people who, who people are kind of, eh, eh, eh. I said, well, that's, I did that. Oh, yeah. and anyway, so I did that. And the last half of my, my working career, I worked at legal services uh, in Dutchess County. And I, we had a state grant that I was an ADA, uh, well, I was a disability rights advocate for Dutchess County, I mean, for the Hudson Valley, Hudson Valley Legal Services. Mm. And I did that for 11 years. I had a, I had a, a caseload of uh, seven counties and we would travel around. My, my driver and I, we would go primarily do social security disability appeals and I would I would uh, you know, represent uh, the clients at hearings we would develop uh, evidence that they were disabled and match it with social security regulations and see how how close we can get to uh, showing the, the judge at the, the judges the AD the ALJs administrative law judges of social security that this person although he doesn't they don't meet the exact criteria for automatic disability they are close enough mm -hmm. and we would present evidence and we would you know they would come in and and uh and present their, their, themselves and you know various disabilities but a few times before i was well known in that in that line of work People thought I was the client. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. I understand. Even the, even the judges, oh, I'm sorry, I've been, but you're in a wheelchair and this guy isn't. You know, yeah. I'm in a three-piece suit and things. I did not have this facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
and some of the clients were not exactly that well dressed or what they call it. Yeah. But, I, and, but I would say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the rep and that's the client. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, I did that for 11 years and I retired when I was 60 years old, 10 years ago. And at the time, uh, while I was retired, I got went back to, with my interest in show business. Mm -hmm. A gentleman in Connecticut who was a character actor, uh, Harold Renenstan, Howard Renenstan, you'd see him on, you would recognize him if you saw him. He had a uh, daughter who was disabled and she wanted to be an actress and she was getting a lot of resistance. So I said, darn it, he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my best to develop an all disabled television cable channel and he called it with TV and I was one of the early people I see this on the net and I go oh yeah look this is great this is great and I contacted him and he said help me and unfortunately unfortunately the the, the project did not succeed hmm. we had a hard time getting funding I was, I actually did kind of what I do with Eileen now. I did social media uh, promotion and I did volunteer recruitment for him. And we would get people who are various actors and people who, who stand up comedians are good, good friends of mine who were stand up, sit down comedians, but they were disabled and they were performers. They were all behind us and we did all, all we could yeah, uh, to uh, make this happen, but unfortunately, it did not. Which but is unfortunate because, it, but it sounds like by this time in your career, you had a lot of nonprofit experience, government experience, yeah. business yeah. experience, yeah. legal experience, and of course, media and broadcasting. At that point, it sounded like a perfect time for this to happen. But of course, as time went on, it came back again and gave you another yeah. shot at it. Yes. Well, we, we, Howard, dear Howard, he wanted to do that, but mostly by himself. He was the, doing the presentation of the, the project and things. And, and he wanted to take that on as himself as his own personal effort. I, not just me, we were a few of us. We would line up different things and people to contact and possible grants. Although this was a private company, there were not too many governmental grants or grants available for private companies. We looked into foundations and things, but uh, it, well, let's just suffice it to say, unfortunately, it did not happen. Mm -hmm. uh, along came a good buddy of mine from Chicago, Rob Pritz, who took over a radio prod podcast, an internet podcast. Called, and he had his company, Able Pathways Media. And I, to be honest with you, I was thinking today, dear, I don't know how we connected, but we connected somehow. Oh, I think, don't long remember that. He wanted me to be his first guest. That's what happened. And I talked about, and the only thing I could talk about that was really interesting, except for my, other than myself, was my interest in broadcasting and acting and making doing, uh, making Hollywood accessible and inclusion of disabled actors and more jobs and opportunities. So he loved that and we did this, the half hour show. And he said, would you like to produce for me? 
He said, it sounds like you know a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. And I ended up doing uh, 45 45, uh, podcasts for him. We produced and I helped co-host a little bit. And we covered all spectrum of disability, sports, mental health, physical health, adaptability, acting. A lot, a lot of few people, actors, could come on and be interviewed by Rob. And some, even a couple of the big, uh, big name uh, disability advocates who were in Hollywood, Alan Rucker, would come on. He was he's a writer and things. And someone else that I got to know came on and did a show. A young lady by the name of Eileen Gruba. I was about to say, someone's probably coming into the picture here. <laughs> and I first got an email when I was back with, with TV from Eileen Gruba. And I, I think I even told her this. I was getting so many emails and Howard was forwarding so many things to me that I barely looked at the email. I really, I, I, I apologized. I said, I'm sorry, I, got, I would get 60 things, do this, do that, run this, and that. And I sat back one day and I said, we were thinking, and back doing the show with Rob Pritz's Evil Pathways podcast. And I said, I remember this lady. And I looked and I found this, down the, the emails I had. And there was Eileen Gruber. And I said, oh, wow, this is great. <laughs> she told me about herself and what she was doing with disability and acting. And she was a disabled performer herself. So I contacted her. She did the show. And I guess the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the first meeting like besides, you know, uh, being swept off your feet and your jaw hitting the floor? What was, what was well, it like? <laughs> well, we were, what we I didn't meet her physically. I've never actually met Eileen physically. I only on on the phone and I on, see. I see what you're saying. the distance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like I said, three thousand miles away. I might as well be on another planet. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we we we're in constant touch now. Now we're doing we're doing FaceTime like you guys. Great. But uh, next best thing. And I said, would you like to be on the show? She said, yeah. And she came on and did her show. And uh, I, after a while, the, the, the Rainbow Pathways, I, my buddy Rob, God love him, if he's listening, he said he, he needed to stick with his, he was getting married and he needed to stick with his day job. So the radio thing, the podcast thing was kind of faded away. Hmm. So I got I was still you know on on the internet and I, I at the at the time with TV did have a web page and I would put things on the web page although we didn't have a TV thing we would keep the web page and do basically what we do with the trained actors is uh, you know promote media type things related to disability and uh, got 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 again got hooked up with Eileen. And uh, I became her co-administrator. Excuse me. And uh, again, I, I've been doing that for a few years now, and I love it very much. Another gentleman, another person in Hollywood who gave me a lot of encouragement 
uh, was, uh, in addition to Eileen, was a, a writer and performer and producer, uh, Herbie J. Pilato. And Herbie J., I kind of met him on a uh, comedy show in, in Orange County. He would call in and uh, talk about classic, classic uh, TV. And again, I'm not really sure how we connected, but I contacted him, contacted him in some way. And I would be on, on the comedy show a couple of times talking about with TV and then call in and, you know, we do things or talk about different things, goofy things. And I connected with him and uh, he had me writing for him on his, on his blog. And I started writing pieces about, again, media and uh, disability and and he wrote a book uh, about uh, life goes on which was the first uh television show on series for that show i remember that yeah with chris burke who was down syndrome and he was an actor and he wrote a book about it and of course i just ate the book up i hardly knew knew herbie at the time and again, I did a couple of things on his blog. He put on, he said, Vince, you, you got to write on your own. He said, you do a good job. Get your own blog going. And I said, oh, hey, thank you very much. I'll do that. And uh, he said, I'm starting up. Uh, a, uh, unfortunately, it was disbanded because he's so overworked. He no longer has the classic TV preservation society. But I was on the board of directors of that. And again, this is all done virtually. We, I was not in Hollywood or anything. But he wanted me to represent, you know, people like Chris Burke and speak up for inclusion. Because Herbie was a very, very big advocate for inclusion and, and for disabled performers. And and uh, that's what I did that for a long time. I still, I still help uh, administer a couple of his of his pages, his classic TV fun page. And also I still manage his uh, uh, web Facebook page about the book Life Goes On and whatever stories we can, or just general stories about disability we'll put on that page. So that's basically what I do now. I've been doing that with Eileen and I've been doing that with uh, Herbie uh, for quite a while now. And yeah. it's just been a wonderful experience and i get to meet guys like you that's probably the best part i'd have to say huh <laughs> i don't want to put words in your mouth <laughs> no and uh, it's it's actually been a wonderful experience working primarily with eileen and uh, taking her direction and we just like said putting together our, all our what we do as far as disability and as far as promoting performers it's just it's just a great great love for me i was able with herbie and with eileen to combine my interests in you know it's it's perfect it's disability entertainment advocacy and performing all of that all combined in one and just i'm just blessed to be able to do it i can't wait to get up in the morning to work on this stuff. Guys like that really is your passion. You're you're hitting on all six cylinders for the most part, and it suits you very well. I mean, we haven't known each other too long, and once uh, you know Eileen introduced us 
with you, like you tell right off the bat, like this guy's got some history. He's, <laughs> he's done incredible things for this entire movement, starting back from your days, but even before college. Uh, Vince, if you had some advice you want to pass on with people, either now with mobility issues or trying to get into acting, broadcasting, any kind of entertainment, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, stick with it. I think that is everybody's first response is to stick with it, follow your dreams. I will say today, the 21st century, things are changing for the better in Hollywood. Matter of fact, I just posted an article on our page about the Film Academy, the Oscars, are going to do everything they can now to produce and present and create more opportunities for disabled performers. Uh, Eileen Gruba, who is a wonderful actress, she has a uh, uh, Emmy nominee. She's her, her episode on New Amsterdam, which mirrored her life almost to the T, almost a cancer person who was disabled through medical malpractice, if you will. And she did a fantastic job for that. She's up for an Emmy. And we find that the Emmy organization itself is open to uh, hiring more disabled people. Uh, the Oscars is the Producers Guild of America. So it's easier for a person to get at least a shot. And we always say the more training you have, the more professional you are, the better it is for you to get a job. You can't just say, well, today I want to be an actor. I'm going to, I better get it. I'm going to get a job. You prepare yourself, do the work, and become as proficient as you can in that field, and there's more opportunities for you to succeed. I always, always, always push networking. If you want to become an actor, go to your local community uh, theater. Uh, get to know people in all lines of show business, whatever it is, get to know people and networking. And I said, that's why, that's why I'm on your show because of networking. So all we, and it is easier to do, but you still have to do the work to get there mm -hmm. and to be known, get yourself known. Uh, the, the world is more wheelchair accessible and accessible in other ways, not just wheelchairs, but in, in other disabilities, it's more accessible. There still needs to be work done, but it is happening and it's, it's a little easier for you to go out and, and do those things. So I would say just love what you do and pursue it to the, to the hills. I always do that. I, I get into something 100%. I'm, I'm subscribed to all the, all, anything I can about disability and media, books, programs, uh, newsletters, meetings, whatever I can to present myself and present what I'm doing. And it's better because you, the networking is a major, major uh, component in your success. So that's crazy. <laughs> Vince couldn't have said it better myself. Vince Dayskill, thanks so much for decades of advocacy work yeah. and coming on and speaking to us. I, I'll post your story 
um, from the UK site. I'll post Eileen Gruba's um, clip from New Amsterdam as well, yes. uh, as well as a link to this interview. Great time as always. We love speaking to you. We love to have you back again very soon. Of course, we'll be in touch after this is over. You're going to get sick of us. I'll warn you. <laughs> You're probably going to be sick of us. <laughs> I enjoy working with you guys very much. And you're tapping into an area that I, I, I know a little bit about. So I'm, I'm sounds I'm, like it. I get so busy sometimes I don't even bother to shave. Yeah. <laughs> well, me too. Sometimes yeah. in a couple of months, maybe I'll be uh, as pronounced yeah, hey. as attractive yeah, as hey. Yeah. I can only yeah, be hey. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for the work. Thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll be in touch real soon. Everyone. Mike, listen. thank you very much. Good luck to you guys and good luck to Mark Carrion, uh Robotics and Hire. You guys, as I said here, they are going to be huge. Let's hope for it. We'll see what happens. Right, thank right. you. Talk so to you much. later. Thank you, sir. Take Have care. Have a good everyone. day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.